God, the priests of the Israelites. people's money like that unless you can't get it from the people with yeah. more money yeah that's true <laughs> you know yeah no he's adam goldberg is just like a populist hero he just like <laughs> only wants to answer to the people that's right um all right My well art belongs to everyone and we wish you would just keep it for yourself <laughs> um, yeah i'm finally getting on board with private property <laughs> the concept of like nfts you're like yeah the hebrew hammer should have been an nft that only belongs to adam goldberg and that's it (laughs) kind of um okay well welcome to smite me the podcast where it quite often is about the torah but more and more lately it's about movies and other jewish things um how do you how do you like my new voice i'm I'm ditching it so don't answer that oh all right i was gonna um, say please do the whole show with it no 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 um, I'm John Alcabez. I'm joined today by my co-hosts, Josh Marcus and Ayana Hayashi. Hey. Um, and we have a special guest today. It is our friend Ethan Black. What's up, Ethan? I think our first returning guest as well. With we a nice have pink it any microphone, other way. I might add. A little pizzazz. Keep it nice. You know, it, it, unfortunately, uh, it is an uncircumcised microphone. Uh, <laughs> the way it looks right now that's an <sighs> image that is now unshakable <laughs> so, so I appreciate that. pink and pink and bulbous mm-hmm. um <laughs> and ready to take names not the way god intended so uh today on today's episode we are covering um the 2003 adam goldberg vehicle the hebrew hammer um but uh do we have any any business we want to get into first any jews in the news I sort of have one. I'm almost going to say that maybe we should do the prayer at the beginning of this fucking cursed episode. <laughs> <laughs> you want to just pray up top? Well, I was just going to I was just going to talk about how um we've covered the Jubilong website before on this podcast, but they have made their way into my neighborhood. There's now a big billboard in my neighborhood that's is a Jubilong billboard that says like we're just 70 years out from the gas chambers, so no, a billboard calling out Jew hate is not too far. And I, I've seen these billboards before on the internet, mostly, but to see it in real life is like, it's jarring. It's like seeing like a Pepe frog or something in real life. What's <laughs> awesome is, you know, they don't have enough money for like a nationwide campaign of billboards. So something about your neighborhood, they were like, this is where the most jews in crisis about their identity that we can reach really are like this is where we're going to go to find our people ethan are you familiar with jew belong i i wasn't until i actually saw one of the billboards i was visiting my sister in new york and like if you take a, a ride from LaGuardia airport just to like 
anywhere else in New York City. There was like a big, like fat Jubilong <laughs> billboard. And I was just like really kind of caught off guard because I'd never oh, no. seen or heard of this before. Uh, and suddenly it kind of looked like the equivalent of that Super Bowl commercial for like crypto. That was just the weird uh, little QR code that was bouncing around the screen. It's like, it's like that, but like for anti-Semitism. Because <laughs> yeah, <kind of> <laughs> yeah. it really wants you to be uh, like, what's all this about? I'm not gonna well, lie, so you said, got a, a Jubilong thing Jubilong. going on with your mic. Oh, because he has a pink microphone and Jubilong oh, yeah. has adopted the pink color. Um, John, wait, did you see this in Soma in San Francisco? Yeah, dude. There's two. There's two that say the same thing in Soma. <laughs> there's one that like is. I swear to God, there's two that both say the gas chamber thing. And it's so weird. Um, it's so weird because it's like. The, there's no it's not referencing another billboard like you, when you see this billboard you'd think that previously they had a billboard that said like no more Jew hate and then someone was like well that billboard seems unnecessary and then this billboard that actually exists is them being like well there were gas chambers not that long ago so actually it is necessary it's but, it's for all the billboards that say world war ii happened over a hundred years ago <laughs> <laughs> and those are they're just not true <laughs> or it's like they have to invent like their haters like oh haters said i couldn't do it but but it's like yeah. there are definitely haters they could invent that like exists like real anti-semites but they're like like they're calling out people who are just like no like yeah, World War II happened 100 years ago. Yeah, I love that. Exist. I love that straw man that exists for them. It's gorgeous. We love we love that for them. Um, yeah. keep, keep doing your thing, you belong. Yeah, um, y'all, y'all shake someone back into the faith. <laughs> Damn. Well, that I'm is, Jewish now. Yeah, that is the que- that is the big question: is what what do they hope to accomplish with these billboards? I mean, the real answer is like just they just are cynically like trying to like spread their brands, but I don't know. It's like the Uber model where it's like, are you just trying to like corner the market on like cheeky anti anti-Semitism and then then you'll raise the prices on it? Like what's the game plan? I feel like they want to be the kind of people who when celebrities do a no no and say something bad about Israel, that then they're like, well I sat down with the CEO of Juvalong and Oh, they're coming for the agreement. They're coming for the anti-defamation league's throne. Uh They want to be like the Jewish community. Like I'd like to reach out to the Representatives of the Jewish community. Like, like if some if some thirteen year old like does a dance, oh, no. and, like like wears like a swastika or something. Like, you know, normally on TV, Whoopi Goldberg has to talk a to the ADO, but like your average TikTok star can talk to Jubalong. Yeah. Right. If I'm a television star and I hear that I have to talk to the fucking CEO of Jubalong, um, no, I don't. <laughs> I have a little Jews in the news. News, yeah, hit us, hit us with it. Um, so I am a member of the uh, San Rafael Jewish Community Center. Um, not out of any religious reasons, just because they have a big outdoor space. Like card carrying. Do. That's right, baby. I do. <laughs> I, I I have an ID card and I'm blinking. Um, it's pretty. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. They have a good schwitz. Uh, you know they do, but it's closed. It's, it's like it's aimed to like you know like Arnie Berkowitz like schwitz chamber or something it's it's pretty cool um we're just two weeks out from the schwitz chamber being closed <laughs> so no um but anyway they recently sent out an email to all of us members about advertising their annual trip to broadway 
And it was just like, you know, learn to laugh, love, and sing in the bright lights of the big city. Like, I don't know. It was just. I really just, hate it when you do that at Broadway, actually. You're there to watch. <laughs> yeah, and they have like table talks and stuff that I guess they arrange, and they just showed a, an image of a past trip, and it's all like octogenarian, like Jews in Tevas. And like, you know, like fishing shirts and stuff. Like, and I'm just imagining like the questions that they might ask after a Broadway show. Like, like how do you memorize all those lines? <laughs> so anyway, I, I might, uh, I might, I might check out, um, the city that never sleeps with some of the Oshermer and JCC's finest. Are you really going to do that? No. No. Okay. I didn't think so. <laughs> I did not think so. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, we Jewed into nude. We, uh, <laughs> we Jews into nude. That's, that's kind of fun. <laughs> I feel like there's some scenes in this movie where it's Jews in the nude. You feel I like it? Of. I mean, you Did don't you see, see it or? you don't see full, you don't see full bush or anything, but mm-hmm. he has his shirt. He has his shirt off in a couple scenes and I'm not going to lie. He's looking pretty sexy with it. Yeah. He looks yeah, for, really for nice. a movie with so many dick jokes and like uncircumcised dick jokes, the fact that there wasn't a full frontal shot, uh, disappointing. Yeah, you could say cowardly. It was I before the fine. Euphoria Accords when they had to have like 12, 12 raw dicks per ep. Well, that's that's just as many. Uh, that's just the same number as there are tribes of Israel. So it would have been the <laughs> only thing to do. Oh my god! Wow, I had not. I was not accessing information on that plane of cosmic vibration but that is so true uh, i wish i wasn't mm-hmm. um at the end of this beer i won't be yes that's that's what we hope should we uh should we get into this gem yeah let's talk hebrew hammer um that's the movie we watched today it uh it's self-described it's described as a uh jewish black exploitation film um, or it says the plot concerns a Jewish black exploitation crime fighter known as the Hebrew Hammer. His full name is, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'll defend this movie where it deserves to be defended. His full name is Mordechai Jefferson Carver. Very funny, right off the bat. <laughs> great, great name to give this character. But yeah, it shows starts out. He's it shows him as like a youth in in Brooklyn, and he's going to a Christian school for some reason, and he's being bullied. And they're talking about his big Jewish nose and how the big Jews killed Jesus. Can we just pause for a second? Of course. What? There's no Jewish schools in Brooklyn, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unless I'm mistaken, it does it does take place in Brooklyn from the start, right? Brooklyn, just... New York. There's not a single Jewish school. No, he has to go to the Christian school. He and has he... to go to the Catholic school that's in the church. No, but I think I remember it says it's a public school very clearly. Yeah, but it's like a gent it's like a goyish public school. <laughs> um, did any of you guys before we get too deep in it, did any of you guys see this movie when it was in its heyday? Josh, we watched it, I believe, at, yeah. your, at your parents' house. I'm asking were... it for the benefit of the listeners, you motherfucker. <laughs> uh, yeah, you fucking dweeb. <laughs> I'm going to kill you. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we watched it. Um, I remember enjoying it at the time uh, before I had uh, gone to liberal arts school, um, but that has certainly changed. Oh, yeah, we had a great time. I mean, yeah. he pulls out some guns and says, Shabbat Shalom, motherfucker. Like, what more do you, 
some mm-hmm. young sixth graders want. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. So, Ethan, did you see it when you were uh, but a wee lad? I, I had never seen this movie before. I uh, John texted me. It's like, oh, do you want to come? You want to watch the Hebrew Hammer and come on the pod? And I said, I'd never seen it. So I will be the, the, the fresh pair uh, of eyes. So I will actually, I watched it this afternoon. Uh, oh, that's, that's as, as fresh, fresh as it gets. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I took some notes. It's like, it's very fresh in the mind. Damn. I, uh, I also missed this one as a kid. Actually, I don't think it should surprise anyone. <laughs> So I guess I guess we'll be de- we'll be the half defending. I mean, and none of you us guys because we love everything about it. But it's like none especially of our... the race stuff. Um. Us us insen- like culturally insensitive and like as much of a mess as this movie is, which would maybe make you like think that maybe one of our Jewish institutions would show it to us. Like no one really was 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 championing this Mm-mm. this film. <laughs> I think they were really ready to just let it go. Yeah. I th- I think it's legitimately jew embarrassing to get back to jew <laughs> It's another it's another jew embarrassing film. Um, it's like when someone tries to go up for a layup and then throws the basketball and it hits the bottom <laughs> side of the basket and then it bounces back down and hits them in the head. That's I feel like what happened with this movie. <laughs> um, but anyway, okay. That's a perfect metaphor, yeah. So he gets bullied as a kid. He's walking down, you know, he's walking down the street. There's signs that, like, first, like, three minutes of the movie, there's signs that say, like, no kikes in the store. Where it's like, oh, okay, (laughs) all right. Thanks, guys. Cool. Um, From that era in U.S. history where there were, like, no Jews allowed in the store. Mm -hmm. Famously. And then he tries to play with the You mean the 1990s? (laughs) (laughs) As this movie claims. I'm sorry, please continue. Uh, well, to be fair, that, that scene was set in like the 70s or whatever. So mm, you, you know how mm-hmm. it was back then. That's true. Um, Defining civil rights. Back in the real time. New York. Yeah. <laughs> so then it cuts to him as an adult and he's like a cool fucking guy. He's dressed all snazzy. He's looking fly as hell. Um, and he's like walking around like some kids are some kids are, are bullying some Jewish boy. And tossing his yarmulke back and forth, and he like he, he stops them, um, and then I believe next thing we know we're at like the it's not the Anti Defamation League, but it's like it's called something else. The Jewish it's, Justice yeah, League, yeah, the Jewish Justice League, and it's in like a giant building that's the Pentagon, but it's the Star of David instead. Yeah, really doing great things for the image. Um. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very important thing happens before the Jewish Justice League. What's that? Oh, just oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah, which I this honestly had my favorite line in the entire movie. This this bit. Um. Yeah. So we cut to the North Pole, and there's like the good benevolent Santa giving a speech to everyone who works there, being like, "We love the Jews. We love Kwanzaa. We love saying Happy Holidays. We can all live together." in harmony and then his son andy dick um <laughs> is is like kind of mouthing off and being like this guy's fucking full of shit oh fuck this guy and then next thing we know he's being attacked by reindeer and he says you want to say the line ethan the reindeer brutally like start like murdering him and like stabbing him like their horns turn to blades like machetes 
Him being benevolent Santa Claus, by the way. Just for clarification, it's old Santa getting cut up, not Andy Dick. And I I thought this line was actually hilarious. He turns to the reindeer, he goes, et tu blitzen, and then he, like, (laughs) dies. (laughs) So was there, were we supposed to believe that that was coordinated with his, with... with, Yeah, it was like a coup. It was a coup, okay. It was a a anti-Jew coup. Anti-Jew coup. I yeah. don't like how well that rolls off the tongue. Kubalong.com. Let's continue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah. yeah. So then the next scene, right, is then they're at the, like, Jewish Justice League, and they're discussing, like, oh, shit, Santa's evil son is in charge. What are we going to do? And then they're like, we need to get the Hebrew hammer. Then they're like, but we can't get the Hebrew hammer because we disrespected him in the past. And then... Like, one of the main guys from the Jewish Justice League, his daughter comes into the room and is like, I'm going to seduce the Hebrew hammer. Um, do I have? They say he didn't get along. Like, they said because of the incident at the airport with the Hare Krishnas, which they don't provide any more backstory for it. And I, I'm kind of interested in the prequel. Like, what happened at the airport with, with the, the Jewish Justice League, the Hebrew hammer, and the Hare Krishnas? Oh, God. Like, so they do have some world building in this, you know. They <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a rich backstory. The the, the Hebrew Hammer cinematic universe, uh-huh. and the Hebrew Hammer is like a cool guy, private eye. He's like kind of a noirish hero. Yeah. So then the, the right the dude's daughter is like it, Esther, I think her name is. Is like I'm gonna go seduce the Hebrew Hammer, and then it, it turns it go it goes black and white, and it's like a noir scene, and she like walks into his office and convinces him um right yeah pretty much that's where we we are introduced to the concept of the hebrew hammer's little slogan that he's a certified circumcised dick um the first of many uh just circumcision jokes oh that's also when we're introduced to the fact that he's like that he lays pipe (laughs) because i didn't realize that um sexy weird jewish guy was a fucking pet peeve of mine but it absolutely is oh well i mean we've been inundated with it in yeah our, it's in our like pop culture. I... wait what do it's you not mean good. not oh, that i mean the... i feel like what other movies have that um i just i feel uh... like woody allen's whole career was like, oh i don't like, see I, i'm but, a nerdy like, little finds... jew but you can fuck me i, I fuck i'll fuck you <laughs> The, the literary, uh, you know, background of Philip Roth. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Brave uh, Jewish-American tradition of the uh, <laughs> nerds who are like, what if people wanted to fuck me? Yeah. What I thought was funny is that, like, in the certified circumcised dick, it says on his office, the entrance to his office door. And then below that, it has, like, the seal of the state of New York. And it said he's, like, officially certified, which I'm confused as, like... Is he certified as a, like, does the state of New York certify that he is a circumcised dick? Like, um, I think, I don't know if this is too, uh, this is too pandery. I feel like it should be noted that Dick used to be a slang term for a, a private investigator. Did it uh, really? Okay. Yeah. Oh. In a way that does not fucking translate even to when this movie was made. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> like. That's like a fucking like 1920s to like 40s term. So then they go to dinner with Mordecai's mom, right? 
Yeah, and she's like, yeah, I'm a Jewish mom. She's like, can you suck my son's dick, please? She really just straight it's up. a really wonderful performance. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's very upsetting. He's, like, getting into it with his mom. Like, they're really, like, they don't get along well, but also, you know how it goes. Um, yeah. So then somewhere. Am I right, fellas? At some point in that meeting, he, oh, he decides he's going to save Hanukkah just to spite her. Just to spite his mom. And well, also uh, the the Esther and his mom basically conspire to um, get him to save Hanukkah. Which also, by the way, we should mention that like it's the, there's a plot point that New Santa wants to end Hanukkah and kill all mm-hmm. the uh, no, no, <laughs> unclear. <laughs> it's not yeah. Andy Dick kill the jujus. <laughs> he um, it is funny. The mom brings up a, a relevant point where she goes like. Hanukkah, like, it's not even one of the high holidays. <laughs> mm. Which is like, yeah, true. Still wouldn't be great if Andy Dick killed all the Jews, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that would be notable. So then, okay, so then the first thing he does is, like, show up at some Nazi bar and ask for Manischewitz. Which There's I, a couple things that happen in between, but... Is, yeah. there, is there anything important I'm missing? I mean, none of this is important. Wow. Well, think... <laughs> what a loaded question. <laughs> no, he, like, goes to the Jewish Justice League. Um, there are, like, some tests he has to pass to, like, gain entrance to the building, such as knowing the components of the Seder plate and, like, sticking his dick in some sort of machine that tests if he is circumcised. Oh, and then um, there's sort of, like, the psychological warfare aspect where they just kind of, like, fuck with him until he's just kind of, like has a shit fit and it's like the fucking fuck is the point of this and then they're like all right you're jewish <laughs> yeah i would um i would add just as as long as you're talking about the uh jjl that there's a so the guy who made this um what's his fucking name jonathan newselbaum or something kessel kessel something it's like classman or something um anyway the guy who made this was like talking about how he wanted to make a movie that didn't involve israel like that was about Jews, but not about Israel. Um, but the the in the Jewish Justice League, um, the main guy in charge of it is this like guy wearing pretty clearly an IDF uniform with an eye patch. Looks like Moshe Dayan. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Who is like a you know pretty notable uh, member of the Israeli army throughout lots of the middle 1900s, doing all sorts of bad things. Um, so it's sort of like. It's like not really saying anything about Israel stuff, but it is winking at like, I don't know, just like the idea of Israel and that it's, you know, part of the the good guy Justice League. So he goes into the Nazi bar, asks them for Manischewitz. I, I think there are two things. It's very fresh, that, so, but two things happen before that. So the first, uh, at the dinner scene, uh, well, there's like the super like racist joke. Uh, where his mom is just like, oh, you can't stop eating. You know, there are people in China who are hungry. And there's like a, a presumably Chinese man at their dinner table. And like the mom is just like, no, you can't eat until he's all done. And they don't explain like who he is. And he speaks kind of just like goo goo gaga made up Chinese. It's uh, it's bad. Yeah, it's like weird old timey Hollywood racism. Like it's not even contemporary Hollywood racism. It just feels like. Like, what the fuck are you doing? I think the way that I put it in my notes is like for an offhand like visual audio gag, it is remarkably hostile. 
<laughs> yeah. And it's not it's not the last time that the weird the movie is like has <laughs> real weird stuff about about Asian people. It's it's interesting. Oh, uh, Jonathan Kesselman is this guy's name. Uh huh. Yes, he was going to be a coder and then went to film school. So, which anyway, is he must have probably politics. the most cursed fucking backstory you could have in any <laughs> yeah. kind of creative field. Yeah, he co- he should have been a he should have learned to code. Jonathan He's also a, a self prescribed or self described nice Jewish boy from uh, the San Fernando Valley of California, which is an- another cursed. Every yeah, every self described nice Jewish boy like. Has just, killed a man. Just cover your drink <laughs> is all. Ooh. Oh my gosh. Yikes. Wow. Jeez. If you have to say it, then how nice are you? <laughs> right. Right. So, yeah. Um, then the other thing that happens is that he stops by the headquarters of the Kwanzaa Liberation Front before he goes to the, the Nazi bar. Okay, I got, I got right. the order wrong. Yes, he does go to the Kwanzaa Liberation Front. Do we want to just talk about them? They have a sign up that says they're basically the Black Panthers, right? But like for Kwanzaa, it's have, yeah, it's yeah, conflating the. Two. He meets Sammy Davis Jr., who was Junior. that? No, that's at the Jewish Defense. Oh gee, was that a guy in blackface though? I couldn't tell, but it seemed like it could have been. It really did. It seemed he, even if he wasn't the way it was written in blackface <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Yeah, he goes to the Kwanzaa Liberation Front, and they're kind of just like part of the joke. There is like, oh, they're, or it's just like, haha, look at like black radical politics a bit. They're like, you know, and who brought in you know drugs into the neighborhood? The white man, like, and who invented Britney Spears? The white man, right? It's like, haha, but they're just saying things that are true. Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> technically this is the movie at its most reasonable. <laughs> and then like the guy the. One of the Quanta guys, I shouldn't call them Quanta guys, but. Oh! Oh! <laughs> One of the guys called. Member of the Quanta Liberation Front. Yes. A, a member of the Quanta Liberation Front, like, calls him a kike and he calls them the N word. And then there's some random white guy sitting there who's like, whoa! And they're both like, nah, it's cool. And it's like, oh my god. Like, the first of many times the movie says, black people, Jewish people, they're the same. Well, I really want to delve into those um, dynamics, but let's let's fucking chug our way mm-hmm. through this fucking summary. All right, so he goes to the black. The, excuse me, he goes to the Quanta Liberation Front. He meets. <laughs> That's two strikes. <laughs> he meets the little guy, right? He meets the like a, the <laughs> actor who's in every like scary movie movie, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. who's like an elf. Who has been kicked out of Santa's workshop for being black. Or for being too mouthy. But then he goes back there. Then there's like a couple scenes later he's back there. So it's not clear who this guy is. He's like just kind of sitting there and like there's these like sexy ladies dressed up like Santa who are just kind of like kissing him on the cheek. Like it's not really clear what the like are they gonna all fuck once the Hebrew? Well, yeah, no, leaves? it's kind of implied that he's a pimp. Like he was in, he was working for Santa, and then he got kicked out, and then hooked up with the black guys, and then became a pimp. So that's a pretty cool. Uh, do, do they say he's a pimp, or is it just? It just I mean, he tells them he he says stand up, and then they both stand up, and then he smacks him on the butt, and then he shouts at him to sit down. So I feel like the implication is is there. <laughs> But he's a he's a little guy, so it's it's cute and charming and not problematic. Indeed, the the power dynamics are are evened mm-hmm. out again, so that he can actually mm-hmm. be their pimp and their equal at the same time because he's short. 
<laughs> Moving on. <laughs> I think this is finally where we get to the Nazi bar. You get okay, yeah, he goes to the Nazi bar. He asked him for Manischewitz, which is kind the of Nazi funny. The Nazi bar in presumably near Brooklyn? What? I mean, okay. I mean, Brooklyn's big. There's probably one. I'm sure. Yeah, but they usually have their But Nazi- not in the part where all the black people are. I mean, because they make it seem like he kind of just walks down the street. And then there's like swastikas outside. Like usually they keep the swastikas in. They're in like a special room. Uh huh. And they're like, "Wow, you got a lot of balls coming in here." Like, yeah, they're like, you a drink. They're like, "Hey, respect though, honestly." Yeah. And then they say some. They make some weird comment about like, "Let's give him one drink before we lynch him." It's all very not yeah. subtle at all. Yeah. There's no, there's no subtlety to this. So like after he like whoops mad ass in the Nazi bar. He walks outside, and then this like older black guy comes up to him and is like, "Damn, Hebrew hammer! Like you're really giving it to him in there." Um, and that dude himself is a famous uh, black exploitation movie director whose son plays the head of the Kwanzaa Liberation Front in the movie. Um, it's, his name is Martin Van Peebles. So this movie is like a real sack of shit, but somehow it it has the kind of tacit approval of like a very famous black exploitation director and his kid. Like, I don't know. It's kind of a weird little, it's like, the, like what was going on in the two thousands? I mean, plenty of people who like are respectable, like still work on dog shit projects. Like that just, yeah. Just Hollywood baby. <laughs> yeah. This town. Oh, sorry. I said Martin Van Peebles. It's Melvin Van Peebles. But anyway, there's kind of the dynamics at play are that the Christians, it's like the white Christians are trying to destroy Hanukkah and Kwanzaa. So in that sense, you do need to liberate Kwanzaa. Uh, but anyway. The three world religions. <clears throat> the three world religions of Judaism, Christianity, and Kwanzaa. That's right. <laughs> uh, there's something else that's uh, related to that, but please, let's just fucking, let's, let's chug a chug chug There's chug. like so much here. Yeah, we just got to get through this. Oh, uh, what? The, the fact that they don't, they don't, uh, Talk about Islam. I I do wish that we got their take on that. But any any oh, there's there's more to it than just that. But let's okay. Let's we'll chug, we'll, chug, we'll chug. circle back. Is unless I'm mistaken, the next scene is they're back at the at the North Pole, and Andy Dick is running things now, aka Damian Claus, and he's running it like a sweatshop, and. There's a moment where all the workers are like, no more of this bullshit. Like, we're unionizing. And you're like, okay, hell yeah. And then immediately he's like, nope, no union. I brought in a bunch of Taiwanese children. And he, like, fucking parades them out. There's more fake fake Chinese going on. I think he throws peanuts at them. Yeah, it's- I couldn't tell. Was there any yellow face? I, I thought they were I thought they was trying to be an equal opportunity offender. Like I thought, he said one of their names was Esmeralda, like implying that they're, uh, like Mexican or like, you know, Southern. I don't know, like a Spanish-speaking person, like in the factory. Yeah, yeah. there's a little two thousands concern about outsourcing going on. Uh, one of the many trenchant observations in this movie. <laughs> um, oh, we should also just add that the head of the Kwanzaa Liberation Front is named Muhammad Abdul Paula Abdul Rahim, or no, Muhammad Ali Paula Abdul Rahim. <laughs> Sticking Paula Abdul in there is pretty good. Got to give it to him. Got to give it to him. Um, so then, 
Santa... Uh, it's all blurring together. But he becomes concerned that the Jews aren't... They're, he's not weakening their spirits fast enough or that the Hebrew hammer is doing too much. So he decides that to weaken the spirit of the Jews, he's going to, like, release a bunch of VHS copies of It's, it's a, a Wonderful, wonderful Life. life. Yeah. So, is that supposed to be – maybe this is my brain, but was that supposed to be like analogous to like Reagan giving crack to the black community? But it's like Damien Claus giving It's a Wonderful Life to the Jewish I mean, yeah, community. they were – and then they play in the background that Curtis Mayfield song, I'm Your Pusher Man. <laughs> like, <laughs> have some coke, have some weed, I'm your pusher man. <laughs> it's it's just like, a very bizarre scene, like the implication yeah. that – and then he like, and then the Hebrew hammer like sees that kid who just keeps being like, he every time the bell rings, he's like, the bell means we're going to have a fantastic Christmas. I forget what he says, but uh-huh. there's some like line that he gets stuck on, and the Hebrew hammer's like, oh no, like we got to do damage control, and he gives the kid a bunch of VHS copies of like Yentl and Filler on the Roof, Chaim Potox, The Chosen, uh-huh. yeah, like those the, are the um, three Jewish movies that exist. Our man uh, Kesselman has talked about. He doesn't like hearing Christmas music over the holidays. Yeah, who fucking does, buddy? I get yeah. over yourself. No one likes that hey, shit. Also, real talk. All of those songs were were written by Jews. So fucking stop pushing people no. out of the fucking market. Yeah, they were written literally... by Jews who are who hate themselves. No, I don't know, but <laughs> no, they're just fucking working in the twenties. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, he did. He literally has compared Christmas music to oppression. I was reading this interview with him where he was like, "I knew what I needed was some twist on the source of oppression, as in a twist away from racism and towards something that the Jews have experienced." Um, then he said, "What is a Jew really pisses me off? It hit me when I was walking around a mall. I hate Christmas time. There are always all these Christmas decorations and a pathetic little menorah tucked away in the corner. So the man has been cucked by Christmas carols." And <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's movie. what it is. He wrote a whole movie. A, about it. I think that uh, fact that a nice, a self-proclaimed nice Jewish boy from the San Fernando Valley uh, kind of equates racism with hearing Christmas music at Christmas times. One hundred percent tracks. Yeah, yeah, that's like the thesis of this movie. Um, yeah. So anyway, the uh, Jews do their own propaganda, and then what? They go to the North Pole. No, they no. go to Israel first, but it doesn't fucking matter. Wait, yeah, what what happens in Israel? They they visit uh, West Bank Palms, a gated community. Oh, what I oh, missed yeah. that. Oh yeah. So what is what's up with how we wanted Israel to not be a part of it, but then next thing you know, they're like in a fucking resort that's the West Bank. Like Jesus Christ. <laughs> they go because uh, new Santa Claus wants to stop the Jewish atomic clock, which has a uh, special Jew rock in it. Jew I mean, juice. How? Jules. I mean, how detailed do you want to get into like the word vomit that is the fucking third act of this movie? The third act of this movie is a, it's a mess. It's a mess, folks. Um, let's see. Okay, the next scene that I wrote about is that he. Mordecai and Esther, who I'm now just realizing it's a fucking reference to the Purim holiday. Good, good work, Nusselbaum. Um, they go undercover to meet um, Andy Dick Santa, right? And mm-hmm. they, like, show up to the mall. She's, like, kind of dressed up, and he's wearing, like, 
like a blonde wig like, like a he, bob <laughs> he looks like one of the guys from the like the real slim shady video kind of yeah or like tyler the creator in his <laughs> <Igor> phase <laughs> um but he's like wearing a trucker hat and they're and like oh hello he's I'm wearing like a giant collar because apparently goyim love giant collars <laughs> yeah then they're like these guido security guards or, or who There's, are like yeah are, maybe more goomba than guido if we're being specific <laughs> Yeah, they're um, like, I yeah. just wrote down, like, Italian Santa pimps. <laughs> um, first, he gets in, in, he gets offered, like, free cheeseburgers, and he's like, it's a whole thing. It doesn't even matter. It's not a good gag. Um, and then... This is where the movie is at, probably. Not its worst, but in terms of story writing and structure, and, like, it feels like they wrote this movie in order. He did write it in 17. He wrote it in like a week. It feels like it. Yeah. He said, and yeah. he said it because he's like, I just had to get it out. Like, it's, <laughs> it's like flowing out of me. Yeah. I mean, if if uh, if the Hebrew hammer was inside of me, I would also want to get it out. <laughs> get it out. Get it out. Get it out of me. <laughs> it's like you can see there's so many different versions, like whatever it is, film directors, musicians, whatever, who are like, constantly like yeah you just have to get it out and then you edit it and he was like i don't really like that second step yeah yeah it's like sounds boring um so they're they're at the the mall where andy dick is seeing kids and like first like there's they're they're kind of not a lot of the kids are being let in and then it shows you one of the kid that's kids that's being that's being allowed in and it's just Andy Dick teaching him, like, and the Jews are, like, he's, like, I, it seems like he's, like, teaching the kid about, like, blood libel or something. It's, like, pretty pretty sinister. He's just explaining to the kid that the Jews are evil. And then, am I, is that is that accurate? Yeah. Yeah. Literally what, what he does. Yeah, and then. Then there's a, then there's a shootout, right? Or a kidnapping. I don't well, know. The, then the Hebrew hammer makes his way in there and, like, First, Andy Dick has the sexy Santa girls, like, go rub up on him, and he's, like, flirting with them and talking to them about Viktor Frankl, which I thought was pretty funny. Um, Who's Viktor Frankl? He wrote, he's, like, a Holocaust survivor. He wrote Man's Search for Meaning. It's a very good book. Um, but it, it, he's, a, he's a philosopher. You could say beyond just a Holocaust survivor. Okay, all right. Well, it's, fine. It's a pretty pinnacle piece of modern philosophy in terms of whatever. But, like, yeah. It's it is kind of a funny gag until it becomes unfunny, right? But yeah, him being like, "You should really read Victor Frankl's," kind of made me laugh. Um, and then he's like, "Actually, motherfucker, I'm the Hebrew Hammer," and he like pulls his gun on them, on the on on Andy Dick Santa. Um, also, I was watching it with Angie, and she made the point of like. Because at some point, Andy Dick is, like, talking to all the kids. And she made the point of, like, imagine you're a kid and they're trying to pass this motherfucker out. This is this is Santa. This is <laughs> yeah, Santa Claus. Like skinny and mad. Uh, yeah. Like, kids would be like, you're supposed to be fat. <laughs> like, you're not Santa. In the, the Hebrew Hammer cinematic universe, uh, Santa is a, is of patrilineal descent. Where it <laughs> right. passes from fathers to sons. So, yeah. yeah. It's more of a the status rather than the reality that we all know, which is you have to fall into the molten Santa vat and then you uh, challenge the old Santa to a game Santa. of cards. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There you go. 
Yeah. You, you win it from him in Texas Hold'em. That's yeah. how you get to be Santa. <laughs> so then next thing we know, um, the Hebrew Hammer and Esther are being chased through the mall by a mob of anti-Semitic children, which is it's funny. That's it's really – they do have a bunch of anti-Semitic kids. It's, I just – it's just I mean, it's comedy. You got to show those kids a billboard. <laughs> yeah. You know? That's – I thought that was funny. There's also that scene that someone says they're in a Kmart and they say, attention Kmart shoppers, there are Jews in aisle 12, <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. I was also thinking about like, since that movie came out, how many times has a rogue Kmart employee or just someone who, who found the, the microphone that accesses the entire store just said, there are Jews in aisle 12. <laughs> oh, man. Can we can we please fucking get through this? <laughs> <laughs> a billboard that are like, it's just been one week since the Jews in aisle 12 gag. So no, <laughs> billboard calling out Jew hate. Jew hate. <laughs> um, so then, oh, and then they find the underground Jewish railroad, which is just um, one of the more poignant examples of the like racial confusion of this movie. This is where I stopped taking notes. Oh, this is where I got started, baby. <laughs> this is where I was just kind of like, I'm just going to fucking chug the rest of this beer and try to ride this one out. Um, so then he, th- but the actual underground Jewish railroad is just, it's like, it's like Mr. Toad's wild ride, but for anti-Semitism. Is that accurate? He's, they're like on, a, on an amusement park ride, but then it's just showing like fucking pogroms and Nazis and shit. Um, and getting your credit card declined. That's the punchline. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, again, it's just more of this third act, just like we are at the fucking bottom of the barrel. Well, cause so this movie was a short film and then he made it into a whole movie. And I feel like at this point he was kind of like, just ran out of reasons for it to actually be a real movie. And then he's just like, what if I did this? Yeah. At this point it does become, what if I did this? What if I did that? Um, is there can we just please fucking get through the rest of the fucking plot i am i'm fucking struggling here all right all right we got this we got this we, we gotta we got we're at minute 40 47 <laughs> of the podcast i mean what yeah. I, once i finish the plot i think i think we're kind of covering it as we go along we're not gonna have another 47 minutes worth of things to say don't fret but okay they're then they're they're in bed together um he plays acoustic guitar very poorly and she does shush him that was that was like there were like four funny moments total in the movie and when he starts to play bad acoustic guitar and she just like is like okay that's enough and then she kind of reveals like i'm so glad that your mom made me fuck you and he's like what and then they kind of get in a fight and he's like i feel like a little whore and then he, she, this is the part where he takes his shirt off and he like looks pretty good. He looks fucking. He's great. like wearing a little speedo and has all these tattoos. Um, yeah, when they cast him, they were like, "We wanted to find like the coolest Jew out," and they chose uh, Adam Goldberg, and he seems pretty cool in that singular moment. Yeah. So first they like fight Santa, and then the the Kwanzaa Liberation Front saves the day, and then they go to the North Pole to save Esther. And it, it's weird. It's like you'd think it should be over by now. Um, and then, oh, and then they're at dinner at the end. This is another one of my favorite moments is they're at dinner at the end after he saves Hanukkah. And his mom is still like talking about like, oh, my friend's son, like Hanukkah is not even that important. My friend's son is um, 
Like one of my friend's sons is a, is a doctor. One of them's an investment banker. And then he's like, yeah, well, the investment banker's a pedophile. So how about that? Which honestly, way ahead of his time. Way ahead of his time on that one. Yeah. And then I wrote down, I'm pretty sure this is a line that he says to the mom asks, what are your plans for after the wedding? And he says, kill you. <laughs> and then Ed Coach... Ed Coach is also in it, apparently. The, yeah, so. Um, there you go. That's the Hebrew hammer, folks. Um, um, I'd like to. I'd like to read one of the reviews of the Hebrew hammer that I ooh, think is yes, please, choice. please. Um, it's the director Kesselman talking about what his Orthodox Jewish relatives who live in the West Bank thought of the movie. In the West Bank, yeah. What? Okay. Okay. No. Just so it was. I mean, because I guess maybe. Let's see. I'm just no. It's just that I'm 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 reacting to the politics. So like it probably so like a Jewish settler. Are you shocked? Are you no? But just I'm a little bit shocked that like his San Fernando relatives are in the West Bank. So there you go. So this uh, this relative said the hammer celebrates being Jewish. It is a badass Jew kicking ass for the tribe. That is what Kesselman said his relatives thought of it. So, you know, it's like he doesn't want it to be political, but he also wants to make like a a Jewish superhero. And he wants to impress his settler cousins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's it's like he's like fighting for multiculturalism, but like wearing all the clothes of I don't know, actual politics. It's very it's just like dumb. Like it's one of those. It's like you can't even give it too much credit for like trying to say something. It's just like it makes Zohan feel like it. It actually did say something. <laughs> yeah. Like this movie crawled uh, so that Zohan could like crawl a little better. Yeah. It was weirdly. It was on uh, Comedy Central exclusively for five years. It had. It was like in theaters for like a day, and then oh, it was, it was yeah. like straight to TV. It was on Comedy Central a lot back in the day. I'm actually yeah. having flashbacks, flashbacks to be like, oh, Hebrew Hammer's on again. Okay. Yeah. Weird. Oh, yeah. Ethan was telling me something earlier about the, the sequel that apparently... Well, have we talked about the sequel yet? There's a sequel... No, there's... That was supposed to, it, it was supposed to come out in 2019, but it didn't? That's because it didn't get made. <laughs> it didn't get made? But Ethan was pointing out that what the catchphrase for the movie was like, it's safe to enter a synagogue again. And it was like, they're about to do it like right after like the fucking one of those big synagogue shootings. So it's like, boy, I I saw that apparently, I don't know, some marketing. I mean, this movie does not exist. It was, it was, it was a, uh, still the residual social media of a a crowdfunding campaign that never happened. But one of the things I saw that apparently Giancarlo Esposito is, is was cast in it. Apparently, I don't know. But is that is that, is that Gus from Breaking Bad? Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, A very oh, good. good actor. Like, what the hell is he doing? There? <laughs> yeah, he's, he's great. Maybe because this movie doesn't exist, Castleman uh, would just like fuck it and like put whatever actors he wanted as like <laughs> <Yeah>. listed. <laughs> it's like it's true. If you don't. If you don't make a movie, it can have anyone you want in it. Yeah. Also, the plot was Hebrew Hammer time traveling with Jesus to kill Hitler because of racism under Trump. 
Yes. Oh, yes. So the marketing materials, one of them said, hashtag MACA, make America kosher again. Uh, <laughs> and then on the poster for the Hebrew Hammer versus Hitler, uh, one of the taglines was, just when you thought it was safe to go back to synagogue. Uh, and like, I saw like a, a year of like 2019, which like I, the Tree of Life shooting happened in like late 2018. So I'm just like, they did not think this... Uh, not not great. Not, not, not a great, great look. It's not super surprising that they didn't completely think it through. To give them the benefit of the doubt, this could have been made beforehand. Uh, mm-hmm. But that... that but know, it never you, was made. You want to know a, a crazy alternative universe? Um, so when he made... So he like made this movie as a short and it like got a lot of acclaim and was like at all these film festivals and stuff because again, pop culture in the 2000s was like accursed hall of mirrors Um, not to interrupt you but i feel like there's definitely a there's nepotism somewhere in this story oh there's gotta be there's gotta be yeah um but anyway so then he like yeah there's nepotism in this sorry i was gonna say yeah there's nepotism in this story freaking damien claus gets to take (laughs) over the throne of santa claus he like doesn't even use his nepotism though he murders the old man who's trying to hand it off to him anyway He's picking himself up by his bootstraps by his like pointy curled boot (laughs) (laughs) her line um yeah but so they tried to make this movie and then he said like the studios actually were pretty into it but i wanted to make it like a buddy flick with like chris rock and ben stiller <laughs> like a little like like oh, rush yeah. hour or something they wanted to make jewish rush hour they wanted to make jewish rush hour and then he was like fuck them and then that's why he like ended up doing the weird comedy central deal he had too much integrity huh. for his stupid idea to make a great movie with ben stiller and, and chris rock Chris Rock is. You're telling me Chris Rock wouldn't have crushed it. I assume he was not to not to make assumptions, but I assume he was going to play the head of the Quantum Liberation Front. <laughs> I can, I think <laughs> we can I safely assume. Yeah, I think that kind of gets into something I was going to say earlier, which is like there is a version of this overall premise that could be really fun, and I and I don't mean that to be like he 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 or defend it or anything. It's like a pastiche of like seventies black and other exploitation films because that's when kind of exploitation films of a lot of different kinds were sort of at their peak um and this is also sort of when like kung fu movies are sort of making their way over to the u.s and stuff there's a version of this movie where you kind of like take all of these caricatures of like issues and like dynamic groups at the time and sort of cartoonishly uh unite them against a like over the top ridiculous like villain that could be really fun that would be some version of like the rainbow and glorious bastards or something (laughs) you know what i mean yeah and it's just like and i think this movie is utterly convinced that that's what it's doing (laughs) yeah yeah um but it also is utterly convinced that the only races that matter are white people jews and black people Yes. Yeah, three... and that Jews and black people have have like a parallel history. Well, it's also just like an examination into the mind of the writer. It's just kind of this thing of like how all nerdy little Jewish boys want to be a cool black guy. So yeah. so so bad. The gleeful they... use of the N word in this is kind of outrageous because out you know yeah. he wrote the script. He would like. Like the final, I think the final word of the movie is the N word. It's like the little person elf riding away on Santa's sleigh, and he's like, "Merry Christmas," you know. (laughs) Yep. 
And just with the shit eating grin that, you know, I just as I was watching it, I like saw his face like on the character's face. <laughs> the think, writer, yeah. Yeah. I think no other scene. Now tell me if you guys disagree with me, but uh encapsulates sort of the complete mental disconnect that this movie is trying to get at is the scene when they're talking about using the N-word and kike. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Where it's just like, I was thinking about it. I'm like, what the history of the word kike is that a bunch of German Jews who immigrated to New York, basically, but the U.S. before the Russian Jews did, called Russian Jews that because they were like, we're American now, so fuck these immigrants. Yeah, it just couldn't be more different. <laughs> and it's like, that's not really the same thing at all. They're both slurs, sh- sure. Yeah. But... But the power dynamics that exist within them are uh, are wildly different. But the people really different. think that Jews are, uh, first of all, that they are like a, a race that has experienced kind of the exact same racism as black people in the same ways in America. Like I, I had a friend in college who identified as a person of color because she was a white Jewish woman from suburban Chicago. Oh, that's good shit, man. Like that's some raw, uncut that. liberal arts university and this is shit. At, at a college, mind you, that was voted the most liberal college in the United States. <laughs> so, like, the most liberal Jew you could find, and still, you know, horseshoe yeah. theory. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah like they, they want, want, they want, want yeah. yeah. Oh man, this is for my leftist friends who might be listening. But yeah, that is truly liberal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But Nine. also the. The fact that, like, when they're talking about the about Kike and the N-word, and then, like, there's the, like, non-Jewish white guy who's all shocked, and then they're both him, both of them are like, nah, dude, it's cool. It's, like, really just this straw man of, you know what I mean? Of just, like, I don't know. I don't I guess I don't quite know what I'm saying. But just the idea that, like, people who aren't Jewish or black don't get what it's like to be us. He the, gives himself, he writes himself and a blacks. He writes say. himself a hood pass, <laughs> Which yeah. Which is like, oh my god. It's also kind of super uncomfortable with, like, the history of particularly, like, the Orthodox Jewish community in the United States with the black community, which has not always been particularly amicable. Right, um, like, specifically in Brooklyn, too, where it takes place. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's just like, oh, okay, I believe that you're from San Fernando, the other fucking side of the country. Right. (laughs) It like taps into kind of like an imagined narrative of like perfect black Jewish unity that's been going on since the mid 1900s, which like just didn't didn't happen as hard as our Jewish. Many of our Jewish leaders told us one rabbi marches with MLK and we can't fucking let it go. We make a whole. Yeah. Yeah. Granted, to be fair, in a movie called The Hebrew Hammer, I'm not expecting a very like detailed thoughtful analyses of like jewish black relations no and, like like history of that and, no like, definitely not. there is a, there is a just... world in which like i think what ayani was saying earlier like there's a world in which like this can happen and there's like good bones there but the execution oh, yeah. was yeah, be, be a little more in the execution like the the vision of the future of what this movie could be is uh, definitely in that scene after he murders all of those Nazis, which is like, it wasn't a great scene, but you, I'll never get tired of fucking people killing fascists on screen. Yeah, I also okay. really want to go to a bar and order Manischewitz now. Like, like to me, or just find a bar that, that carries Manischewitz, I think it's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, is a good bit. 
but no, but I think it's like there's the, 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 the there's a moment of it when Melvin Van Peoples just kind of walks up to him and is just like, oh, man, you're really kicking the shit out of those Nazis. Yeah. Like, good job. Where you're like, oh, wow, that's the movie he thought he was making throughout this the entire thing. Well, yeah, and the fact that he wrote a scene where it's like, and then a famous black guy walks up to me and tells me that I'm cool <laughs> and that I am going to stop white supremacy. Yeah. Me more to high. Right. But, like, again, that's what I'm saying is, like, you could make a movie of that, basically. And he just, like, I understand that it's never going to be a subtle movie, but, like, you can also, like, if you're at, like, an archery competition and you lose, that's one thing. If you never hit the target, like, that's worth noting. (laughs) I I know I'm talking a lot, but uh, there's, what's also up with, like, his weird fucking fear of just like everything eastern yeah what, just clearly all the, weird asian shit? all the weird asian shit there's a buddhist meter on the whining meter like well i think that i think the joke there was that like the like buddhist is the most chilled out you could be and then jewish is the least chilled out you could be so it's kind of him like fetishizing them almost or like putting them up on a pedestal of like it's still weird all right. I think he was trying to make a like, a, oh, I give it to everybody kind of farce. But his like jokes about Asian people were just like, you can't understand what they're saying. And they're like weird starving orphans and factory workers, <laughs> which is like not a joke. That's just like his. He's like, I have a joke. My prejudices here. <laughs> Isn't this funny? Also, wh- why Taiwan? Like, what was he trying to what was happening in 2003 that you couldn't talk about China? I don't, I don't know, know that you, you could, could talk, talk about, about it. it, but it's like, I feel like that was kind of, because like the, what was it? Those big protests in Seattle against globalization were in like the early 2000s. I feel like there's kind of this like dawning, like what if globalization was bad? But like his take on it is like Asians. Pretty funny, huh? He's a, he's a one China guy. This is really just a Chinese psyop, and that was the whole point Damn. of the movie. That's, That's wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. I love that take on this. He's like, look, dog, Shanghai Shek never actually gave up power. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Deep oh cut, Mr. Kesselman. Wow. It doesn't matter what team competes as what name in the Olympics. <laughs> yeah, wow. Wow. Wake up, people. Never mind. This movie is based. <laughs> the signs are there. Just kidding. Wow. Um, I mean, it's kind of a... I would say it kind of is spiritually a sibling of Zohan. It kind of is. Oh, yeah. has the same... I'd say that's why I, I suggested we watch it, because it's kind of just... It's like it does I, the it, oh sorry go ahead oh I just feel like it's quintessentially American in the sense that it's like stunningly naive almost or it's just like here's something guys I think that's good enough to make a whole movie and like it's not going to be about politics like I'm just going to have the fake Black Panthers and the fake Israel Defense Force and like made up <laughs> Chinese people and then it's all just going to be funny and it's all a big joke and like nothing matters like only a white man in america could right it's, it's like, like assemble all those ingredients too. and be like fuck it it works <laughs> it's also um it does the exact same thing as zohan too where it makes up racial dynamics in particular for jews zohan does it with israelis um where in the zohan movie it's like hey 
everyone here in America is super suspicious of Israelis because we're just Middle Easterners, where that's like, that's not reality. What? That's the same reality where there's no Jewish schools in Brooklyn. Like, yeah. And and this movie just does the like racial dynamic version of that. With totally. Jews. I mean, he literally says he went looking for a source of oppression to write the movie because he studied black exploitation and realized that those were also about oppression. So he had to like just make one up. <laughs> so he told us again. If if it were more self aware, the idea of uh uh uh, uh I, um the idea of a director like naively writing Christmas music as a source of oppression is like a gag in and of itself, but it's not like, I feel like did it. I would have actually loved to see the Adam Sandler, Chris rock version. Maybe they could have done a better job or interestingly enough. Like I think so his whole goal is to like, he, another thing he said was that he's all tired of, you know, like Nebuchadnezzar she choose on screen and being portrayed as like weak and whatever. And he like wants to make this like cool, self-confident, proud jewish guy and like i was just thinking like uncut gems is like a better jewish propaganda film than this movie even though the main character is like a huge fuck up like who cheats on his wife and is like a bad person and a criminal (laughs) like he just is like just i don't know he's like actually self-assured in a certain way and like has a kind of freedom yeah this is this is the sort of movie that it has a very similar like New York Jewish guy like very anxious uh, mm-hmm. wants to be cool and hang out with black people leather vibe. yeah leather <laughs> he's he's a leather daddy yeah. yeah but uncut gems is like they put a lot of effort into that and it, it's much clearer and this is sort of just trying to think that it's visual gags in like pointing out the the worst stereotypes of everyone all at once is like funny and speaks enough for itself, which like usually not working. Yeah. It's like not specific. Like, I feel like that sort of thing is good if it's like really specific and like it all kind of has to work together. And I feel like it's kind of neither. There are some shining moments that i i don't know watching this movie for the first time there were some funny things and like yeah he was like pausing and taking notes like there are moments there where it's like very clever and good i thought the the et two blitz in line was really funny mm-hmm. and clever and there's also at uh, one point after the the sex scene um where they like stood in his place he like, reaches over to grab the phone and i know i paused it because i saw there's a book right next to his phone called the oi of sex like a complete guide to stooping, which I just thought was, I thought that was funny. That's funny. Yeah. There were like a good throwaway gag now or then like um, the head of the Kwanzaa liberation front said he didn't kill tiny Tim because he was a fellow Sagittarius. He's like, I decided I didn't want to kill another Sag, but then you fucked me, man. And I was like, that's kind of a funny. Also a funny the, line. the use of tiny Tim as a character is confusing. Cause it's just like the grown up version of the kid from, the Scrooge the story. Charles Dickens. Yeah, it's like what? <laughs> They're all over the place. All over the place with this shit. Um, the um, I think also the delivery of so many lines was jarringly 2003. Where yeah. it was like, I I feel like in 2022 you have to try a little bit harder to like. I think back in I, I you kind of see that when you watch movies from like the 60s and 70s too, where it's like, oh, you didn't have to try back then. Yeah, they really and all were- those fucking white guys are just like literally saying their lines as in like, I'm reading it off a card. They really went with the first take. 
<laughs> quite yeah. a bit. Yeah. Or, you know, this this kind of I feel like this is also reminiscent of like kind of a genre of comedy that doesn't exist, like the video store stoner, like goofy kind of like Harold and Kumar is like a good version of this genre, I think, where it's just fucking stupid, but it's funny. Yeah, that was killed with YouTube, you know, because now you can just watch like guys kicking each other in the nuts or like (laughs) doing something really like some dude talking into his computer screen for like three hours, like like, trying to eat like a whole bar of soap. People being high at the drive through. Yeah, that's a great point. I never thought about the connection of those two things, but we did it, boys. We finally reached Uncle Corner. (laughs) We finally what? Reached Uncle Corner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did reach the Uncle Corner. Well, I think it's nowadays also... with the YouTubes. <laughs> Uncle Corner. I was like, "What's Uncle Corner?" And then I then I got it. But uh, yeah, it's like it's it's that it's that genre of like dumb stoner movie, Harold and Kumar kind of thing, where it's just kind of dumb and about nothing. But then you shoot yourself when you're writing a movie like that. You really shoot yourself in the foot in the foot when you make a character that like wants to kill all the Jews. <laughs> you really make it hard yeah. for yourself. But for even it to just in, like, be, like even in the Harold and Kumar movies, like the villains, or at least in the second one, like they go to Guantanamo Bay and like, they do they, kind of make the political jokes, but it, like, I'm trying to think about like what, what makes that kind of farcical movie better. And I think it's maybe just that they had a, like a good, a worthy bone to pick with like, fucking george bush and guantanamo as like the backdrop versus like christmas music and like wishing you were black like i don't know they just had like more ground to stand on (laughs) right it's like the whole movie stakes are un unfathomably low but then also the ultimate goal of the villain stakes are like extremely high yeah yeah And I think you can make funny movies with low stakes. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Not every movie has to have like a, a terrific presence, like premise, um, you know, based off of uh, longstanding institutional racism. Like you can make a funny movie based off of like hating Christmas music. Um, I think a, a better, you know, war documentary in the war on Christmas uh, from the, the Jewish Justice League. That's what I want to see next. <laughs> yeah, it's like they didn't, I feel like, they didn't commit to making a fully stupid movie or a fully smart movie or a smart, stupid movie. And they just kind of made like a stupid, smart, stupid movie. I wouldn't, put, I wouldn't, put, I don't know if I would put smart in there. Yeah. I'm, well, I'm, I'm saying that's what they, that they wanted it to be a smart, stupid movie, but it was a stupid, smart, stupid movie. Yeah. I was dog shit. I'm sorry. I made you guys watch it. <laughs> Wait, real quick. I just totally forgot to mention it completely, but it's, the 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 dedication in the very beginning of the film. <laughs> oh my god! What was it again? I wrote it down. It's jarring. <laughs> I think it says this film is dedicated to all the Jewish brothers and sisters who are tired of the Gentile. <laughs> yeah, dude. It seems like it's... yeah, dude. Just a lot of weird hang. Like what a what a just weird like genuine thing. To... Like there's no joke there at all. It's just like. Real like school shooter vibes. <laughs> like, it seems like it's him that wants to. He's worried about Damien Claus killing all the Jews, but it seems like it's him that wants to kill all the Gentiles. I think it. What that what that reminds me of is when. Okay, so little b- brief trip into my mind when I first saw the like weird Asian dude gag at the dinner table scene. Like, I was angry, 
because I was just like, what, what, like, what the fuck is happening here, right? And then I went and researched the movie, and like, hearing the guy's backstory and like who this person is, I was like, it actually assuaded me. I was like, oh, okay, this is like, at the end of the day, we're gonna just basically watch a movie that is a weird, deep trip into some sad man's psychology. Um, and 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 I should and honestly, I should have known that from the dedication. Yeah, I think that I think that that's a good a good way to put it, Ayani. That it's just a uh, like when you the the best thing you can do when you watch just a shit movie like this is just figure out what you can tell, what you can learn about the director and the writer from it. Because especially if it's a if it's a writer director type, if it's an auteur, like you can really. <laughs> Could really glean a lot from their brain. And I'll say also, especially if it's literally the only fucking film they've ever made. <laughs> yeah. He made one other one with like um with that guy Maz Jabrani, who I don't know, he's a comedian who's Iranian or like Persian American, I think. Um and it's like I don't even it seems similarly like about multiculturalism or something. I didn't look too much into it. And then he was like a second unit director on some uh, some movie. I saw that Billy too. Lynn, That's how I knew it was nepotism. Long time long. Where the troops hang out with the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. It's overwhelming. <laughs> Wait, what? That's the plot of the movie? It's just soldiers and, cow- and Dallas Cowboys hanging out? Just like a, yeah, a soldiers with PTSD from Iraq just like hang out at the Dallas Cowboys. And get- oh, I mean, well, that the, the source material on that is a novel that, from what I understand, is pretty good. It's like making fun of how ridiculously people treat veterans like props. But anyway, he's like not um, that accomplished as a movie maker. What's, uh, what's Adam Goldberg? What's his uh, resume looking like? The Hammer himself. Is he in anything else? I think he had that show, The Goldbergs. Oh, is that him? Okay. I'm pulling it up. He's a remarkably... uh, What's the word I'm looking for? He looks... He looks like he's actually been in a lot of fights. He's a (laughs) grizzled-looking guy. (laughs) He's been... Well, Adam Goldberg, yeah, he was in a lot of... He was in Saving Private Ryan, Zodiac, Days and Confused. Was he the Jewish guy in Saving Private Ryan? It must have been. I, I, I... he was in he Fargo. He was in Homeward Bound too. I don't. I saw on his IMDb he has a recurring role in the Queen Latifah TV show, The Equalizer. <laughs> All right, my man. <laughs> oh, in uh, in Once Upon a Time in Venice, he plays Lou the Jew. <laughs> <laughs> With a wow. face like that, who else could he play? <laughs> you know. Wow. Oh, he sees in all sorts of television. Give me yeah. his pound of flesh, baby. This man's working. All right, oh good God, for you. He's, he's, I mean, yeah, I, like, this is honestly and truly, this is like, this was a stepping stone, and I'm happy for him. And, and I'm going to be the opposite of fucking whatever his fucking name is, Kesselman, and who got super upset that all these Jews in the 1920s were making butt tons of money writing Christmas songs. <laughs> I'm happy Adam's working. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah me, me too. too. Yeah, uh, do do we need more Jews in Hollywood? Not really, but you know, Adam, smoke uh, them if you got them. Adam Goldberg and uh, Jonathan Kesselman are both invited on the podcast. But Adam, you're you're first in line. To be honest, you get dibs, and I don't want you both coming on at the same time because I don't need you. I don't need you guys hashing out your shit on our pod. You know what I mean? Like, get get coffee and do that. And once you're once you're because I don't. I just in my gut, I feel like 
I don't know. I feel like there's probably some resentment between the two fellas. I mean, they tried to make the second movie together. Did they? Were they both on board? Yeah. One of them, I think it was Adam had texted the director and was like, you seeing this shit? But like about Trump being racist. (laughs) (laughs) We have to do something. Also, are you really going to be the person who turns down, hey, I'm making a movie where you'll play the star and you'll kill Hitler? Yeah, you'll kill Hitler. I don't know. That's a little too dicey for me. love you. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I if you told me tomorrow that I could star in a movie where I kill Hitler, I'd be like, well, I'm, I'll definitely I could I could get a new job for that. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah, but also, Ayani, if 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 Jonathan Kesselman is pitching you that, you should you got to be like, hey man, uh, let me uh let me read that whole script. <laughs> oh, for sure. I'm gonna I I gotta have a couple uh, couple notes. Uh huh. Um. All right. Any final thoughts? Should we say a prayer? Should we cleanse our something, some sort of cleansing, cleansing prayer to cleanse ourselves from all? I think I had to watch that movie. I would, I would just, just say one hundred percent that I know. Last time I said that uh, watching the Zohan movie and reading Torah are an equal waste of time. I would, I might actually read Torah over this one. <laughs> oh, I would. Yeah, I think. At the very least, you'll learn about society. You'll learn about why certain things the way they are, even if you don't agree with the things being said. I promise you, you won't learn anything from this movie. You'll just learn about the guy who made the movie. You'll learn about John. If, yeah, if you like, if you need to learn about Jonathan Kesselman, if that, if he like married your sister or something, and you just <laughs> need to get in this guy's head, I would give it a watch. But um, otherwise, you don't. You don't need to. My, you know, my blessing is more me just giving thanks that I don't have all the stuff going on about my identity that he does. <laughs> like, I'm glad I didn't have to make this movie, or at least as an adult. Like, I maybe would have made this as like a summer camp sketch when I was like 15. You know, that's a good, yeah. Let's all be grateful that our souls are at rest enough that we don't need to make Hebrew Hammer. And if you're hurting enough right now that you feel like you might make go make the Hebrew Hammer or some equivalent. There, you can all, you know, talk to me. Talk to one of us. Just remember, us you, belong. you belong. Yeah, I was going to say, we finally figured out who the billboard is for. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. <laughs> yeah. Just, like, you're not alone. You don't have to make the Hebrew hammer. And he probably, if he saw the billboard, he'd be like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yes, 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 yes. He'd prostrate himself. I'm very proud to say that uh, even with the people I have issues with, I still have yet to meet someone who is Jewish who interacts with me in my daily life who has not been, like, at the very least, wildly confused by Jubilong. <laughs> no, that's the thing is anybody from any type of any politics can can see can you know what i mean like even yeah friends of mine that are like more on the zionist side of things are just like yeah man what the fuck are they doing so honestly same thing with the the idf's like social media presence like the ID, they put some shit out on valentine's day that was like five ways to tell you're in a toxic relationship but it like all circled back to the to, to the, the idf <laughs> yeah dude it's baffling go Damn. check it out yeah, I think you're in a toxic relationship with the state. Yeah, what the fuck? Oh no! Kind of makes me wonder if Kesselman got a job like working for their their marketing or their social media or something. I can't believe I didn't do this, but now I gotta look at this guy's LinkedIn. Kesselman? <laughs> yeah, you know he's on it. He's gotta be on it. 
yeah, he's he's looking for work. All right. Well. 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 We'll report back to you about about the mm-hmm. Kesselman LinkedIn. Well, uh, you know, he's a he's a living, breathing organism. He's a, he's a <laughs> member of he's a member of the the ecosystem of the show now. Um, he's he's part of the canon of Smite Me Nation. That's whether true. Whether he likes it or not. Holy so. shit, dude! Adam Goldberg is not halalically Jewish. Ooh. His father is Jewish. His mother is non-practicing. Oh Catholic, my god! Okay, German, sorry. German, Irish, and French, and Mexican descent. Kesselman's production company is called the Worldwide Media Conspiracy because he is in on the joke. That's, That's funny. funny. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Ethan, do you want to bless the airwaves with? You know, uh, I I love. Thanks for having me back on the pod. Uh, you know, I think the Hebrew Hammer is a terrific insight into the mind of like a 2003 like edgy Jewish comedy uh, scene that, that was very pertinent for a while in the, the mid-aughts. Um, I think it's also a, a good picture into the mind of uh, Kesselman, but the, I also, I think, uh, growing up, we know a lot of people who think like that and, and are like that, and are just like, oh, yeah, bro, like, oh, happy Hanukkah, motherfuckers. Um, that, that, you know, and I think this movie really uh, helped me understand that, that mindset better. Uh, so, you know, my, my blessing would be uh, rub-a-dub-dub, uh, thanks for the grub, uh, be secure in, in your own self that you don't have to make this movie. <laughs> Yay, God. Yeah. yeah. Amen. Amen. Uh, I couldn't. I couldn't. I could not possibly agree with you more. Get rub a dub dub. Thanks for the grub. <laughs> go get that grub. Rub a dub dub. Go get that grub. To all of right. uh, to all of you at Smite Me Nation, go get that grub. Good. <laughs> Let's get this bread. Like the podcast, subscribe to it. You know, Josh puts out articles that are very well written. John's doing comedy. You know, there's all kinds of stuff that are happening. So just get out there and support your Jews in a way that doesn't make you want to vomit. And if and if you see Jonathan Kesselman out of the grocery store, just just be really really nice because you never know. Yeah, do not sing any Christmas carols. (laughs) You will hurt him.